Hi, welcome to the Dreamcatchers. We are sisters and business partners, Marissa Klein K and Jamie Klein Stozer. We know a little something about dreaming big. In our day jobs, we run the fashion and media division of our family staffing firm in New York City, Choice Associates. We have built a brand around helping others and good energy. Known in our personal and professional worlds as light workers, igniters, and most of all believers, Jamie and I are not only dreamers, but we are doers, and we hope our energy is contagious. On this podcast, we will be chatting to each other and to some of our favorite dream catchers, the people who inspire us not only about career, but about making magic wherever they go. On What's the Matter, we will shine light on a hot and relevant topic that means something to us, and we are sure will mean something to all of you. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe now and follow us on social media at Dreamcatchers23 for updates and episodes. Welcome, Dustin, from Mental Health Association of Monmouth County. I'm so excited to have you here this morning. I'm proud of myself for figuring out how to go live on Facebook without the help of a shared universe this morning. So welcome, welcome. Um, I'm just fixing our caption, but in the meantime, wanted to go ahead and welcome Dustin this morning. We're going to be talking to her about her work with the Mental Health Association of Monmouth County. And for those of you that know this, um, and those of you that don't, Marissa and I, the Dreamcatchers, have been donating a portion of the proceeds of everything we've been doing this year during COVID to their organization because we feel, as I'm sure most do, super passionate about bringing light and shedding light on um, mental wellness, especially now. And because Marissa and I are career experts and career coaches, we feel really passionate and, um, you know, it feels very important to us to show that career and mental health are directly correlated, especially right now. So, so thrilled to have Dustin here this morning. Marissa, did you have anything you wanted to add to that before we go ahead and introduce Dustin to our audience? Um, I just wanted to say good morning to everybody and thank you for being here yet again as Jamie and I continue to rock and roll um, with all the content and um, empowering uh, dialogue that we have curated for our audience this summer. Um, Dustin, I'm specifically um, honored and humbled to have you here. I'm directly immersed in the mental health and suicide prevention communities for many years. Um, We are a suicide surviving family and I um, I have always been for the last 20 plus years extremely passionate about mental wellness and Um, I I do believe even though our offices and a lot of what we do is nationwide um, and New York City based, um, I really love the idea of cultivating a relationship with a local organization in the community in which I live. Um, So Mm -hmm. that is why when we are doing our work, we wanted to be affiliated with your organization, which you'll share a lot about today. Um, But obviously it's important to say the reason why I, I I imprinted on your organization is we live in Monmouth County. My husband's father um, passed away in 2001. We have done um, several, which is met actually before before the Trade Center, so before 9/11, so a very long time ago. Mm-hmm. But suicide and suicide survival is something that lives with you. For your whole life. And it, it would be remiss if I did not actively work toward toward 
empowerment and awareness in everything I do forever for not only his honor, but my husband's um, honor. And then also for my kids awareness. Mm -hmm. So um, that's my little backstory. I've done, you know, the overnight walks for suicide prevention, which is by the way, a dark memory. Um, It's hard, (laughs) Um, but we've done a lot of work as a family and professionally. I'm just really, really um, dialed in to wanting to contribute to an organization that means a lot to us personally. And then, yes, of course, mental wellness and career go hand in hand, as Jamie said. So, you know, that's my, my, my humble backstory as to why you are here today. And why don't you tell the world officially who you are and what you do? Sure. Well, Thank you so much for having having me today. This is very exciting to me. Um, Thank you for being so open and honest about your story and why you're doing what you're doing. Um, We need more people in our communities like you. So that is also part of why I'm here today. Um, My name is Dustin Knobloch. I am the Director of Community Education and Advocacy at the Mental Health Association of Monmouth County. The Mental Health Association of Monmouth County is really built around early intervention, prevention, and treating the entire person. We believe in the before stage four philosophy. We believe that we need to treat mental health the way that we treat physical health. We wouldn't wait to treat cancer in stage four. Why do we wait to treat mental health conditions during a crisis? Right. So we really believe in advocating, educating the overall community to recognize early signs and symptoms and individuals or families impacted by mental health. Um, So we know how to better respond as a community. Um, We have several education programs and initiatives, including our Suicide Prevention Lifelines program that works with um, training schools, youth and staff. We also help communities at large um, learn to build what we consider their own competent communities. Okay, so we'll come in and we'll teach you these skills when it comes to suicide prevention. Now, how do you take that on as a community to keep your community as safe and healthy as possible? Mm -hmm. So that is really, um, I could go on and on about our work and our mission, but. I would say that is really what we we stand for. I love that. Beautifully said. And how long have you been with the organization, Dustin? I've been with the organization since 2015. Oh, wow. Wow. A long time. That's awesome. Okay, so we're going to we're going to treat this interview as, you know, a typical Dreamcatchers interview where we want to chat with you a little bit about how you got to where you are, what you do, um, and then we can pivot a little bit into what we call what's the matter, which Mm -hmm. is an arc of our podcast where we during COVID felt the need to talk to folks who, you know, typically just so you know, we, we talk about, uh, we have two major areas of our podcast. One is called what's your story where we actually just talk about, you know, how you got to where you are. Then we started talking to, that's a really for an entrepreneur, somebody that worked for a company. And then we talked to entrepreneurs about how they started their brands. And then what we found is that through COVID specifically, there was like specific topics that we wanted to talk about, not necessarily the person's career, although very important considering sure. that's our platform and audience. 
but rather also a specific thing, a specific topic. So, you know, we've had several conversations so far this year about mental wellness and mental health with other guests. Um, but I do feel that this What's the Matter episode is, you know, again, about mental health, wellness, me- mental wellness, mental <laughs> wellness and mental health. Um, I, I invented a new word. And um, but also your upcoming your upcoming um, golf outing, which is this Monday, the 9th, wanted to spend some time. Sorry about that noise. It's my computer also reminding me that I'm missing, I guess, a million other things. Um, what else is news? I but I wanted to t- set, shed some light on this upcoming event that you have and also So um, any other events that you have coming up where people can get involved or ways to get involved in the organization. So just to start us, our favorite first question, um, as we always ask this first, is um, what is your earliest memory of what you wanted to be when you grew up? What can you remember wanting to do when you were a little girl? I wanted to be a teacher. Hands down. It's that simple. I always Mm -hmm. wanted to be a teacher. Um, I always knew in some capacity I wanted to work directly with people and help people. And it really was as simple as that. You know, Marissa, Marissa likes to do this correlation. Marissa, do you want to chime in there with 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 what we always say about teachers and wanting to be a teacher? So obviously, when we're little, we are only we only are expected have access to certain careers mm-hmm. right. like in our, in our, in our band, especially, especially when we were kids, not yes. to age us all, but so <laughs> right. Like now little kids have access to more things. Like, you know, a nine-year-old will say they want to be a UX designer and create code. So, right. Right. Cause now they know what that is. <laughs> right. Right. They're like speaking in languages, they completely have no idea. And by the way, I'm talking about nine, my nine-year-old. Um, but so my point is, is when we were growing up, you only had access to a certain dictionary of what career could look like. Oh, true. Mm-hmm. And historically, I mean, I've been doing this now for 17 years and also wrote children's books that were about what you wanted to be when you grow up after doing research at, you know, three and four and five years old. And so many children will say they want to be a teacher. Right mm-hmm. uh, now, interestingly enough, with that particular trade, is, I mean, I don't have true scientific data on this, but I would literally tell you one out of two people that wanted to be a teacher is a teacher. Mm-hmm. It may mm-hmm. be more than one out of two. Mm-hmm. Other people are doing something directly like you. Like no one wants to be a teacher and then happens to be like, you know, a scientist. Right, like it's right, not, right, right, right. It's not like if you were inherently, innately drawn to wanting to be a teacher, 90% of anyone that has said that is doing something that encompasses right. those skills. Or educating it's others very, about something. really incredible. In really yeah. It just goes to show you that our innate call to action, which actually this past week I taught really class on intuition, yeah. our innate call to action starts mm-hmm. from when we're very little. And although we get older and we have more words and we have more opportunities because we're wiser and we just are exposed to more. The truth is, is you are who you are since the very mm-hmm. beginning within reason. So what did you say your title was before? I'm the director of community education and advocacy. And there's a, there's a there's, word in there that I'm there being she is. correct. There yes. is. There's that so, education word, right? Yeah. And it, it is. You know, listen, we do this conversation. It doesn't matter. I don't think there's ever been anyone that has actually stumped me um, because there's always a correlation. We have one guest that's been on several times who, when she was a child, wanted to be a linguist. 
Um, Bola, I'm calling you out. Um, but <laughs> she also spoke multiple languages and mm-hmm. was grew up mm-hmm. a lot. So technically that wasn't that odd. I just didn't know any five-year-olds that would know what a linguist was. Sure. Right? <laughs> um, and granted, now she's an accountant. So I, that was not something that you would necessarily correlate as obviously. But right. yes, you are teaching. That is for sure. Yes. Yeah. And I think I think that there's something like, you know, innate when it comes to wanting to teach. Right. There's something about, you know, educating others, you know, making an impression on others, inspiring others that (laughs) comes from like that innate skill set and interest in wanting to teach. So, you know, Marissa and I both have wanted to teach in one point at one point or another in our careers. And I wanted to be a dance teacher. Marissa wanted to be a journalist. And here we are doing education in this way, right? We mm-hmm. educate, inspire, connect. And, you know, now we're, we actually just started working with uh, Brookdale Community College. We are professors there of their continuing ed department. Awesome. And here we are, you know, I won't age all of us, but I turned 40 this year and that was a life goal of mine. So at 40 years old, I was able to still say that I'm, or now say that I am officially a teacher. Um, so I think that's pretty awesome. And it shows that, you know, what you set out to do when you're a kid can actually come to fruition, even if it's in a totally different way. Um, I love that. Okay. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the work that you do. So you grew up wanting to be a teacher. Um, did you go to school for teaching? Did you start to pursue that? So I actually went, the idea was to go to school for teaching, but there was this whole other, you know, um, part of what are you going to teach? Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> it's kind of it a big deal, deal, right? I <laughs> didn't want to teach math. <laughs> For sure. Definitely did not, not want to teach math. math. Right. So I ended up getting my bachelor's degree in history. I love history. But here's the thing. I am the worst historian you will ever meet. So I got this bachelor's degree in history. And I'm just like, don't remember anything you learned. Yeah, I'm not sure if I'm the most qualified person to be teaching <laughs> kids about World War II. Um, so, um, but once I got um, my BA degree, I actually started teaching, or I was hired as an assistant teacher as a at a residential treatment center and school for adolescent boys. So mm-hmm. this is kind of what really started yep started that that direction i was i was going in um so in doing that i was working with you know you think about youth who have been removed from their homes not only removed from their homes but they're at a residential facility right so these were children who you know unfortunately the world kind of worked against them things that they went through in life that none of us should have to go through in life um And, you know, they could be challenging, right? Sure. But knowing their stories and getting to know each and every one of them and understanding where they came from and being able to connect and make them each feel like they matter and they're meaningful um, was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done. And You know, last night when I was reading through the questions for today's um, podcast, I'm like, wow, I wonder how those kids are doing. 
You know, I can remember each and every one of them. I can picture them, their first names, their last names, what they were into, what their strengths were. So that's really where everything started um, for me within the field. Yeah, I love that. And you did you just trip into that first job? Like, how did you get that first one? Yeah, I was just kind of looking around um, on the Internet and I'm like, you know, this kind of sounds cool. I had been substitute teaching for a while and, you know, it was really hard to get or it was more difficult to get the, the teaching job. So what I started doing was I was taking the, the aid positions where I was working with special needs um, and, you know, learning disabilities and things like that. And I'm like, yeah. This, this is cool. Like I'm into this, this is working for me. So yeah. when I saw this posting for this job, I'm like, I think I could do this. And wow. And I love, so, so, so you, you discovered you, along the way pieces of the puzzle or pieces of your puzzle that you would not have had the bandwidth to recognize prior. Also just as a shameless plug for what are we doing our day jobs and staffing in your world, you taking on an aid position or substitute teaching position, something like that is what we equate to freelance. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Jamie and I talk about going for freelance or temporary opportunities all the time, and they should not carry stigma. Speaking of stigma, Mm -hmm. because if it gives you an opportunity to learn or immerse yourself in something that you would not have had exposure to, you're only offering yourself more opportunity and connection. So here is a young woman who wanted to be a teacher and was looking and had no idea that she would emote to a certain classification of school that probably on paper she would not have attracted herself to originally. Um, And now she's carved out a quote unquote niche or interest for herself that is her natural calling, right? Mm -hmm. So interestingly enough, we always say that if you have an opportunity to work in a freelance capacity to take it Mm -hmm. and to treat it like it's a full-time job and you interview, while you're at lunch or after work or before work to be respectful of where you are, but to immerse yourself in new cultures, no different than we go shopping and try on dresses and we don't buy every dress. Right. Don't buy one. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. we're two, you know, but I mean, the point is shop emotionally, professionally shop and it's okay to do it. If it does not feel finite, it allows you the opportunity to learn rather than feeling like it's less than. So that's really, really, really remarkable that you did that and also not traditional by any means. So um, unexpected, right? Are you from from New Jersey? Was this a school in New Jersey? Yes, I'm from New Jersey. The school was actually a county over from me. I grew up in Hunterdon County. Got it. You know, I think um, I'm just posting tickets, by the way, a link to, to, to tickets. I just want to make sure that we're going to talk about our event that's coming up, their event that's coming up on Monday night um, in a moment. But I th- I just want to reiterate something that Marissa just said. I mean, we 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 give career advice for a living. It's something we've been doing for two decades and now do through the podcast and other platforms um, through the Dreamcatchers. And I think what's really important to share of what Dustin did is she wanted to be a teacher. She took a chance on a job. They took a chance on her and she fully began her career because of it. So, and that's so interesting because so often people are so wrapped up and like, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. I don't know what I want to do. How do I begin? And our advice is always just say, yes, go to the interview, figure it out. Like as you go, none of us know what the hell we want to do when we grow up. I'm still figuring it out. I just figured out at 40 that I want to work for our community college. Right. So I think it's really important to share that 
sometimes you just take a chance on yourself and somebody else takes a chance on you because the universe is ready to do that and you're ready to do that. And all of a sudden you start a career because of it. So, okay. So Dustin, you worked at this school for how long before you made a change to do kind of the work that you're doing now? So I started at the treatment center and then I actually was hired as an assistant teacher at a private special needs high school. And I did that for about six years. And during that time, that's when um, I decided to get my master's degree in social work. So I took the other, I went a different direction than teaching, but a lot of what I was doing in that role was crisis intervention, um, covering people when they needed to be covered, um, you know, working directly with the students that that needed more support. So social work kind of naturally fit into all those skills that I was building. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the idea that social work wasn't limited to a school. I could do a lot of different things with that. Right. So um, I ended up getting my master's in social work and had a couple of jobs in between MHA, nothing remarkable. But um, shortly after I got my master's, I interviewed at MHA for a path worker position. Um, So that acronym is Project Assistance in Transitioning from Homelessness, which no one will ever remember. I can barely remember it, (laughs) but it's working. And again, this was this was kind of outside of my realm. Right. So this was working with. Adults with serious mental health conditions that were homeless or at risk of homelessness. And the idea was to link them to as many resources as possible to remediate that homelessness. So this was really something where I'm like, what are you getting into here? Mm. But I'm like, I want to get into this. I want to do this. Um, And everything was transferable from what I had been doing previously, Mm -hmm. being able to connect to people, talk to people, hear them, know their story. There's a lot of stereotypes um, and mis, um, perceptions around homelessness, a lot of not so nice terms, right? But when you're able to hear that person's story and understand where they came from and really can appreciate, especially when we think of homelessness and someone who lives outside, right? And sometimes um, by choice, why is that? Mm-hmm. Why, why are you afraid to have a door closed behind you at night? So think, thinking of how powerful that is, Mm. And what that person has been through in their life or experiencing in their life um, is fascinating to me. So um, having been able to work in that position, which which was a very challenging position, you're working with very vulnerable people um, in a very challenging mental health system, in a very we, we have very limited affordable housing. So just a lot of barriers, right? And you're, it's a very high risk population. So it was really one of those jobs where you're immersed. I got to experience everything, everything. Um, and I'm so, so appreciative of that. Um, and then there came an opening for our program called Intensive Family Support services, um, the director position, and I interviewed. And what I was doing at that point was I was working with families of loved ones of adults 
with serious mental health conditions. So what I was doing was training and educating families, right, to how do I best manage a crisis? How do I best manage my loved one? How do I how do I work with someone who may have lack of insight, but and they're not really ready for treatment yet? Um, how do I effectively communicate? Right. So suddenly my world kind of came together. Right. There's that teacher piece. And that human connection piece meeting. Um, so I was I've. I'm still the director of intensive family support, but um, within that role, I've kind of continued to grow. And now I'm the director of community ed and advocacy. And I love that. I love that. And honestly, I think, you know, you just said something, so many things that were so powerful. The, the doors thing is such an interesting and powerful sentence that you just said. Um, and you know, I give you so much credit for doing this work. I mean, you tripped into it and it was, it feels to me as somebody that talks to people about their careers for a living, like this was your calling. Like you may not have known that when you were young, um, but you've, you've figured out a way to get to a place where I think you probably know that, that this was your calling. Like you were meant to do this Absolutely. work. Oh, yeah. um, and I think there are certain people out there that are just meant to do what they do. I mean, Marissa and I feel the same way about what we do, but you know, I think there's a lot of people out there that just do a job and they're like, this is a means to an end. Mm -hmm. Um, and what we try to do is show people that even if they're in a job like that, there are ways to find the dream in the job. It doesn't have to be. And also so you can make you not, not everybody is cut out to do the light work that you are doing mm -hmm. the path work, so to speak. Um, what you are doing is, is hard work. It, you're, you're, you, you and people like you are heroes and angels working, walking on this planet. Mm -hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean that people that are not suited to do what you do are less than, but what we, the rest of us need to be able to do is try to make impact with the tools and the gifts that we have access to. Right. And then also call attention to people like you, because in all fairness, I'm not sure most people know, you know, most people don't know what, what Dustin's doing and her why. And most people don't know all of the untold stories of the people that you've indirectly or directly helped. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really truly remarkable. And also just from my own knowledge and experience, we are, most people that have suffered mental illness or severe mental illness or homelessness are actually not that different mm -hmm. than a lot of us. So it is a misconception that mm -hmm. you can't just fall from grace, so to speak. Um, you know, and I think, and it's just a, a section of the world that, you know, we see somebody, I mean, listen, it's true. Like the other day I saw, I actually saw for the first time, and I'm just speaking freely here, I saw a couple of people that, that did seem to be homeless on the, on the long branch boardwalk. Mm -hmm. And I had never seen that before here. Mm -hmm. um, and it just speaks to how difficult the last several years have been. And, you know, you, you hope that that person has somebody like a Dustin to, to go to, mm -hmm. um, you know, because the rest of us are not equipped to know how to help handle. Instead, I think our culture, you know, is, is, is primed to look the other way, which is, mm. 
it's yeah. really truly a shame, mm-hmm. right? Um, so can you can you tell us actually that's a really good point, Marissa and Segway. Can you tell us how you do that work from a very layman's term, right? So obviously we're saying all these fancy things, right? You yeah. like, work what, in what can, advoc- what can your neighbor do? Like, what, what can do, people that are not Dustin do? Yes. And also, what do you guys do? Like, how do you reach that person that Marissa may have seen on the Long Branch Boardwalk? Like, By the way, I'm how- going there in a little while. What could I do that would not, what would be the word choice or, you know, my, one of my best friends who was also on this podcast at one point or another, it runs social work for Beth Israel Medical Center. And I remember years ago, she told me that when you saw people, they have resources. It's whether or not they are open to want to receive them. Um, And, you know, I always stuck in my mind, right? So, you know, what are some key tips for somebody that is kind and aware like I am? Like if I were to, how can I help? But what are things that you do in your work and what are things that a layman person could do locally if put in a situation where they needed to raise their voice? Sure. So the first thing I would say um, take a mental health first aid training. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would. So that's, um, <coughs> I, over, I oversee, um, the mental health first aid training at the agency. And what that program does, it's, it's an eight hour course and it teaches anyone, community members, um, to recognize signs and symptoms of mental health as well as substance disorders. And, um, either in an earlier um, capacity or in a crisis situation. So how do I respond? So I know I'm not here as a clinician, right? Because that's not what mental health first aid is about. It's for any person. But how do I connect this person to someone that can help them? Mm -hmm. And that's what that that course goes through. Um, So I always pitch that because it's, it's an invaluable course. Um, as many people that can take that course, the better. And I think when we talk about like know, a CPR, yes. yes, yeah. So that goes back to our before stage four philosophy, right? Right. Mental health first aid is really about being able to recognize, notice, like build those noticing skills of early right. signs, symptoms in someone, so we can help them, right? And how do I do that? Because a lot of people aren't—they're not very sure. Right. Or they don't know resources. And you don't want to and you don't want to overstep. There's a difference. There's a difference between how you handle yourself when someone is mentally having struggle Mm -hmm. versus if someone were choking in a restaurant. Correct. If you're choking in the restaurant, you react. Right. Mm -hmm. We we there are no there's no way to, you know, we all have all these memes and, and, and quotes like, you know, everybody's struggle is real or you don't know what goes on behind closed doors or, you know, all the things, but like, we all don't really know how to mm-hmm. react. It's, it's not the same. We don't have the same emotional reaction or helping reaction that you would if someone were joking next to you or like, you know, someone, falls it's down. Li- but it's but literally because we don't you're like, you need help. Like that's immediately how we all react. It's literally because we don't know. It's literally because, it's literally because don't we don't know. So that and when you course- don't know, there's, fear. You don't know and you don't understand it creates fear. That's it. Correct. And there's that course that you're talking about, that course, the first aid course, that's something you guys offer. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mental health first aid. Where do you put it? You, where do you put that? Locally or in schools or where? 
So we actually have a current grant to provide to schools, first responders, EMS, police, and military. So we are able to provide that to um, those that I just listed under a grant. Um, we are also able to provide <laughs> trainings to our community. So you know what? This is incredible. I'm and actually can, looking. And so, like, let's say, let's say I wanted to hire you guys to come and 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 host a seminar, maybe not eight hour eight hours or whatever, but a seminar of some sort for my community. Is that something that you guys could do? Yes, absolutely. But hey, I, I love that. Let's make mental health first aid as common as CPR. Yes, that's what the website says. I love that. Oh, and see, I didn't even look yes. that up. Yes. We're going to post this. We'll post this. I think this is incredible and very well, need, much needed, especially, you know, I think um, we're very involved in our community. We're both moms with two little kids and Marissa's are not as little anymore, but we both have young children. Um, and this is important work. I mean, this is stuff that I think even, and I happen to sit on the executive board of our PTA here in Fairhaven. I would 100% want to do something like this. I think this is a great idea for our PTA meeting. We can have you come in potentially, um, for one of our meetings that we, we do every other month, we do a meeting and we have a speaker come in. And so maybe you can, I don't know if you've ever done I, like a, Jamie, truncated, I think that's a great idea. I'd I don't love know if, to ever, do that. if you ever did like a truncated version that you could just kind of highlight some of the training tips or if well, I could, I mean, I do regular talks, um, and in community events around specific, you know, topics and areas. So I could certainly kind of just, do my own sort of presentation around mental health. And, and I, I like think that. not only, well, I mean, obviously it, it, this calls a comment here. I mean, what, what's a, I think I saw a scientific data that, that, um, and I don't know if it's scientific data or just something I saw on someone's Instagram, but like mental what's the difference, mental dependent, like we're, we're needing for um, anti-anxiety meds is up 600% or something last year. Um, it doesn't matter how you feel about everything that's going on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you want to mask, unmask, vaccinate. That doesn't matter. None of it matters. Mm -hmm. The reaction is equally suffering, right? Mm -hmm. so, so it is more important than ever to notice if someone is suffering at like this level of suffering mm -hmm. or suffering at a much more intense level of suffering. Because I would say all of us are equally equally struggling in some pocket of like place, right? Mm -hmm. But to not be able, you know, not be able to recognize a symptom of somebody that you think is, has the same malaise as you, but is actually in a very dark place, mm -hmm. much darker than the regular, whatever this piece of life is, would be something I think our community needs greatly. I agree. I and feel you know, horrendously we responsible for not noticing. I agree. And, you know, I have to say, we, you know, we've done, I mentioned this on the phone with Dustin. We've done some work. Actually, I met Susan Chalone, who works for the Society for Teen Suicide Prevention through love the PTA. Love Susan. We met who, her. Who doesn't love Susan? I mean, I mean it's pretty Susan. impossible. Susan, <laughs> uh, Susan, if Susan, you're listening, if you're out there, we love you. <laughs> we love you. And I think um, we had her actually as a speaker for the PTA. That's how we met her first. Mm. And then Marissa and I interviewed her. And her story is just incredible of how she was. Dustin and I spoke about this um, offline, but I'll mention it online, that Susan was a hospice nurse and was spending time with people at their last moments and breaths, right? And what that taught her is death is a moment, is one moment. 
And suicide in particular is just a moment. That's all that it is. And she said that on our podcast. And it was so powerful to think about how her work is trying to just get further and further away from that moment. And how do you get someone back? And that's what she, when she switched, she was watching people with a will to live. Mm -hmm. She knew that inherently people with mental wellness or that are mentally well are trying to live until it's time for them not to. And then most people gracefully cross, right? Yeah. Um, and, and what transferred her to the suicide prevention is that she knew that that would never be an, based on her work helping people die, so mm-hmm. to speak, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that that option should never be an option. Should never be an option. Correct. And, Correct. And, and, I, and I found her, like, these are, this stuff is the unsung heroes of the world. And lots of people do a lot of amazing things. I'm not deflating everybody, like, you know, farmers that are doing organic stuff and like the sustainability and then rescuing the oceans and, you know, breast cancer awareness. There's so many diabetes. There's so many things that are super important. And then there's this. Mm -hmm. We can't do anything if we're not here. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Nothing matters. So, you know, I, I just, um, as you can see, I mean, this is my honest, this is my honest, vulnerable, true passion. Mm -hmm. I am willing to help emotion. I'm willing to help and do and support Dustin, any endeavor locally, professionally, this more, uh, there should be more, there should be more. Mm -hmm. And there's never been a, a, a higher call to action than right now. But I have to tell you, every single person is struggling, everybody, everyone. And I have to tell you, people want it. So one of the I think one of the most rewarding things I've seen over the last couple of weeks, you guys had mentioned um, Brookdale. They are fully invested in getting their entire community trained in mental health first aid. And I think one of the most moving things was when they opened up the registration to the students, it filled up within like 24 yeah. hours. These, well, these and are, then this, is, this, this is, this is, it's time. Also, yeah. one of the beautiful things I will say about the education, the words, the language, pop culture, our children are growing up in a society that is mental wellness accepting. Mm-hmm. Granted, it also means that my 12 year old will be like, oh, I'm, a, I'm in a highly anxious moment right now. You know, and you're just like, Okay. Like, you know what I mean? But, but, uh, wow. Okay. Inserting some humor. Insert some humor. You know, they are growing up with like access to yoga and meditating and things that like we all thought was like, you know, eye rolly. Right, it's right. literally part of their culture. They yeah. do mindfulness activities all through school. They are given tools to calm mm-hmm. and, you know, things that we thought were, you know, out there. Right. And now it's True. norm. Yeah. Um, you're not, you're not weak. If you have to meditate, Correct. you're strong actually. Yeah. Right. So mm-hmm. the mis the misconceptions, you know, I think what, what your work or our work is, is to fill in the blanks because the kids are going to be okay. They're going to grow up in this world. It's the in-betweens. It's all of us kind of working backwards, mm-hmm. um, to undo, unfortunately, the culture that was before us, it wasn't our fault. 
they just didn't have the awareness and the mindfulness that we all have. Mm -hmm. And then to catch up to the kids that are coming up. So, you know, what is it? So millennials and the the boomers and all of us, all Mm -hmm. all the people in between, we're the ones that we, we need the work. Right. So what else do you offer? I love this mental health first aid. This is something that we can a hundred percent promote. Um, what other work are you doing in the community that you want to, hi- is there anything else you'd like to highlight? Obviously. Um, and then we could talk a bit about Monday's about event. event and like what that yeah. money, what the, what's the, what's the big incentive? Like what's the money being raised for? Like what's everybody's initiative? What are your plans this year? Sure. So we do a tremendous amount of different work at the mental health association. Um, we, provide outpatient services. So one-to-one outpatient services. We just opened it up. Actually, we were primarily working with adults and now we've opened it up to adolescents. Um, We are also, we provide case management to individuals um, with mental health so they can continue to live in the most least restrictive environment, stay within their communities, right? Avoid psychiatric hospitalization. We have several youth programs um, built around juvenile justice and helping families that have been impacted by the juvenile justice system and really following a restorative practice, right? And getting away from the the other way that we used to treat, um, you know, um, youth that had gotten in trouble in the past, right? So how do we we make this better? How How do we treat this youth rather than being punitive? Um, we, one of the programs I run, which is just near and dear to my heart, intensive family support is really, it's, it's a grant funded program. So it's free um, counseling for families of who are impacted by mental health, right? Um, and really teaching them how to avoid crisis situations, recognize those early signs and symptoms. Um, so on and so forth. We have our Red Bank Resource Network, which really operates through donations, right? Mm-hmm. This is that's how we keep our doors open. So this that that office is literally um, a landmark of that community. We we work with people that um, you know uh, low income. Um, you know, and need help with either notaries, translation, um, applying for health insurance. Um, so Medicare, Medicaid, food stamps, whatever we can, we, we provide that linkage and referral piece. We also have a financial success center there for people to have free, free finance coaching. Um, so we have social services programs, again, to support people in their communities so they can stay um, safely and stably housed, right? Um, you know, I think one of the things to- what we talked a little bit about, Dustin, on the phone is Marissa and I, you know, as you know, it, through the Dreamcatchers web and through the Dreamcatchers work, we have done and be even prior to that in our day jobs at Choice Associates, which is our family staffing firm that we've been working for 
Morris has been there. She started Division 17 years ago. I've been with her 10. And, you know, we're career coaches. That's what we do. Um, typically in an environment that is, you know, um, our alma maters or new grads or people who have like a full four-year bachelor's degree. Mm-hmm. But what we started to get really passionate about as we've gotten older or more tenured in our career is working with communities that don't get these resources mm-hmm. at their fingertips, right? Marissa has done several workshops with organizations in New York City. We just started this Brookdale work because, you know, even though Brookdale obviously is still, um, you know, accredited, uh, you know, uh, community college, there are so many folks out there that don't have the resources, um, both financially, emotionally, mentally, to Mm -hmm. get the work that we do. So, um, you know, I, we're so excited to think about other ways that we can partner with the mental health association of Monmouth County this year and in the coming years, whether it's a resume workshop, we just did a work, uh, uh, work with, um, actually through Susan and her team, they were doing a wellness summit and it was really for high school students through their, um, outreach to high school guidance departments. And because their work is so teen focused, they were working to provide content this year through their wellness summit from meditation tools to yoga to resume workshops. There was like four or five, I'm sorry, like 10 or 11 different courses that these Mm -hmm. students could choose from. And we were on the docket this year. It was so amazing. We did these Zooms, um, it's probably like in the spring, um, two days in a row. And we had I don't know, like 60 kids each day come and listen to us do like a very basic resume workshop. Now, granted, Mm -hmm. they're in high school, so they're putting together their first ever resume potentially. Um, But that is that is work that we'd love to talk about how we can help the Mental Health Association do that for, um, you know, folks that you think are at that place. Right. Mm -hmm. There's I'm sure many folks that you work with that that content is not applicable currently. Mm -hmm. But there I'm sure are. I don't know how you stage the work that you do, like a graduating class, if you will, of folks that are ready to get back to work or want to figure out how to to get their resources in order to get back to work. (laughs) Um, That is something Marissa and I are passionate about. Yeah. Several years ago, I did something similar for um, the the, uh, contingents at um, Soul Food. Uh, JB uh, John Bon Jovi's organization and Red Bank. Um, I just want to throw his name in really quick. Um, but also I did it for, I'm sure you're familiar with Shore House in Long mm-hmm. Branch. Yes. Yeah. Um, I went there actually and did it live. Um, this was, I don't know, probably three, three and a half years ago. Um, and I did, a, a, it was for the people that were um, in a place where it was applicable. Applicable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very helpful for the individuals. So, you know, I mean, I think, you know, we're living in a world, let's, let's be fair. We're living in a world where we're normalizing. We're working to normalize a lot of things Mm -hmm. like race and gender. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I admittedly still think mental health is far behind those two things, Mm -hmm. which is really considering mental health is applicable to all races and all genders. Um, I think there's still some sort of, there is a lot of stigma against, and and that word is, you know, not even enough, not even enough words Mm -hmm. to, to help people that have suffered mentally work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have worked on, you know, we've interviewed and actually have, have shown light to people that work with people with special needs and also get, mm-hmm. getting them done. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think there's there's something to be said about someone that is well now after recovering from mental illness um, and or, you know, or rehabilitating people into the workforce after they've had a, an addiction. Mm-hmm. Right. Addiction, I would say addiction, homelessness, mental wellness, all that mm-hmm. has more stigma, I would think, that is not normalized and not discussed in the workforce than a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. So we might get to the point where we're completely gender flip, like fluid with pronouns and all of our different stuff. But yeah. that person had a mental issue. Mm-hmm. That's still a problem. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. just as a society, we have so much work to do always. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. always. Um, so, you know, this is the part that I know how to do. So, yeah. And I mean, you talk about it. Absolutely. To, to me, work is therapy, right? Yeah. It's huge. Provides structure. It provides purpose. It provides meaning. It, you know, it's, it is treatment in itself. Yep. So, it's stability. That's why people struggled right. this year when they didn't work. Right. So not, we're seeing not homeless people, from regular, every, regular people. Yeah. Yes. Every angle, yeah. this is happening from every angle, right? At all different parts of our population, as you were saying, it's not, it's yeah. not unique. So we certainly, and I would love to um, put something together as far as what, what you were sharing about building a resume or how to get back at, into the workforce, things like that, because that is a need. Mm. Yeah. That is where, a need. Yeah. Like, you know, I think when that someone that's... says to you, how, why do you have a gap on your resume? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, now granted, COVID is a gap, or I had to take care of an ailing parent is a gap, or I was mm-hmm. on a maternity leave, or I was raising my kids. Mm-hmm. I had a mental breakdown. <laughs> no one says that, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, and by the way, even just saying that out loud just now made me feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. How, why? Why? Yeah. And, 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 it's, and it is, it really is true. So, Anyways, let's talk about well, what before you're doing. we before we get yeah before we get oh, into sorry. your event because I want to make sure to get into your event. We have a couple of questions on the Facebook feed, so I just want to make sure we get there. Um, Deborah asks um, first of all, she's just commenting all this lovely commentary about you know the doors comment really struck her and that light work is making a path for folks. And she also shared that she recently moved to Pier Village and that she sees that same homeless man every day wow. do his walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and that raising awareness about mental health on the community level is so, so important. Um, and she, she asked, um, do you think the courage of Simone Biles will bring a cultural shift on mental health just because she's such a public figure? And, she, you know, I think that's such a good question. I mean, I think what Simone did during the Olympics is, you know, and for those that didn't hear what happened, just the detail of it really fast, Simone Biles, obviously the most prominent, probably the most famous gymnast of our generation, um, who's been training for her entire life to be in Tokyo this this month, decided out of nowhere right before to just not compete, like just couldn't do it. Like it was Mm -hmm. something triggered her. She admitted that she had a trigger while she was in Tokyo and she bowed out of the all around competition. And it was like unheard of. People were like, wait, what? Like the whole team is relying on her and she knew they'd do better without her. And it turns out the women's all around team still got silver 
right? And she doesn't believe that she would have, they would have even placed with her because she was just not in it. She couldn't Mm -hmm. mentally Mm -hmm. get there. And then also bowed out of her other um, events and then decided to just do the beam, which just happened the other night. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so courageous, came out and said to the Olympic committee and to the audiences and all, you know, she's like, my mental health comes first. I'm not mentally there. I can't do it. And all eyes are watching her. Mm-hmm. And the the feedback and the repercussions has been all consuming. I'm obsessed with the story. I think it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I give her so much credit for being like, dude, I can't do this. Like, this is, I just can't. And I'm sure there were people who were disappointed. I'm sure her teammates were disappointed. And she was like, I, I'm never, I'm, she, she basically said like, I don't care. I got to do what's good for me. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that's a really great question. As somebody that works in this space professionally, do you think that, her doing so is going to hopefully shift a little bit of people realizing how big of a deal mental health is. I mean, here's like the most prominent female gymnast in like the most famous sports. Everything about it is like bananas. If you think about it, like the whole world is watching. Of course it's going to have an impact. And I mean, just shorten to the point, the more we talk about it, the more we break those barriers of stigma We need to be able to feel a bit more comfortable to talk about our mental health and to have a figure like that willingly in the public admit, Mm -hmm. hey, I've got some stuff going on and I'm triggered and I can't be here right now is really powerful. I agree. I thought it was so fascinating. She, Deborah actually is chiming in here and, you know, she's a sexual abuse survivor and she Mm -hmm. got triggered on site mm-hmm. and she just couldn't come mm-hmm. back and she knew that she couldn't compete. So I just think that her, her courage is really incredible. You know, Marissa and I had somebody on um, doing, doing a course for us a couple of weeks ago about gender inclusivity. And we were talking about, we, you know, Demi Lovato came up for a moment and, mm-hmm. and these folks that are coming out, if you will, in this case mm-hmm. about mental health are coming out <laughs> about their sexual orientation or gender identity these are important people, right? These are, they've always been around like in our lives, right? Something like Kendall, I mean, Kendall Jenner, Um, you know what I mean? Um, You know, I was, Kendall Jenner is not who I meant, but I was, I was, I wanted to say, you know, that the people who are in the public eye, you know, are obviously extremely inspirational, but to me, Dustin, like not to, you know, pat you on the back here, but like, you are just as inspirational to me. Here's somebody who's like putting her life's work to try to improve her community. I mean, granted, she doesn't have the platform like Simone Biles, but um, between somebody like Simone Biles and then the folks like Dustin around the country, that's the only way it's going to change. But the the problem is the rest of us need to change is with it, which is what I think is really challenging. Marissa and I are really passionate about being more inclusive, say, for example, with our language, mm-hmm. um, you know, and knowing how to address somebody appropriately if they identify as something that we're not comfortable with or we don't know and how to ask somebody their pronouns. And this is now our culture, right? Our kids are growing up in an environment and a generation where they, that's, they, what are your pronouns is like saying, where town are you from? Yeah. It's, and the, the rest of us are like living in a generation where like, what are you even talking about? Mm-hmm. Um, a girlfriend of mine, who is extremely progressive and very forward, you know, and very forward thinking was on a zoom and saw somebody write she, her in her, her box where it says like Jamie Stozer, she, mm-hmm. her. And she was like, what is that? And I'm like, that's in the corporate culture. And also now in the generation behind us, 
normal, you know, like normalized. So I think the more that you, for example, do this work about something that's not necessarily normalized for Mm -hmm. some, um, it will only continuously get hopefully incrementally better. Um, so I applaud you for that, Dustin. So tell us a little bit, I can do, you know what, before you go into, um, if you don't mind giving us, hold on, let me just pull up the information about your upcoming event on Monday night. Yes. Wonderful. Um, also, by the way, I should mention, you know, Marissa and I typically would have loved to have joined for that, but we ourselves have an event on Monday night. We are wrapping what we're calling our dream camp initiative where this summer we were, um, and just a shameless plug for dream camp. We were offering different courses throughout the summer for kind of quote unquote summer enrichment for people that are either in between jobs or working and just needed like a little extra, whether it was how to do reels on Instagram or how to tap into your gut intuition or how to tell your story professionally or, um, you know, figure out how to brand yourself better or podcasting. These are all different things that we offered this summer that will be available on demand if you didn't get to come. Um, Probably in the next couple of weeks, our partners at A Shared Universe are making each of the videos we recorded them. They're making them into downloadable on-demand courses for us that will be available hopefully by the end of the month. No pressure, Ming, who's doing that. (laughs) And when you buy them, a percentage of those sales are going to go where? To the Mental Health Association of Monmouth County. Um, So that is something that we felt really passionate about when we started to charge for some of our curriculum this year. We felt like we wanted to give back and we identified this organization, um, you know, probably last spring at this point. Um, You know, and I said to Dustin, although I know everyone that works in nonprofit says every dollar counts, um, we would have loved to have donated more so far, um, but we were able to make a sizable donation in the fall to um, Mental Health Association, Monmouth County, and we plan to make another one based on Dream Camp. Um, We are not really a for-profit organization yet. We're working towards that. Um, so we we donated a little bit of our nonprofit basically to I, your nonprofit. I would say, I would say we are we are respectfully nonprofity nonprofits, but we have big hearts. Correct. That. Correct. And big voices. Correct. So and that, so that counts for something. It Absolutely. does count for something. Um, so wanted to just pull up a little bit about this event that you have coming up um, on Monday night. But in the meantime, I can go ahead and like, you know, read it. But if you want to, um, if you don't mind sharing a little bit about, oh, here it is. Here we go. Um, I found the flyer. Um, there are still tickets available. I just want to mention that. So if you're interested in this event, you can go on the website. We linked it here underneath the feed um, to go ahead and purchase a ticket. Um, oh, you know what? This is the sponsorship document. So I don't know if that's going to help me. Um, where is it? Here we go. So taking place at Beacon Hill Country Club, for those of you that are local, um, and going to be honoring Robert Garrett, who is the CEO of Hackensack Meridian Health. Um, so that is a, it's a golf outing. So obviously a golf, you know, you have to golf, but you don't have to go to golf because there is a cocktail party option that it sounds like as well. So Dustin, do you want to give a quick overview of the event and um, shout out whatever you'd like to shout out about it? Yeah, sure. So one of the coolest things that's going to be happening that night during the cocktail hour and the dinner portion is we're going to be 
having the new CEO of Mental Health America joining us for a Q&A session. Oh, so cool. for any of those of you in the field or um, just want to learn a little bit more about, you know, m- the Mental Health Association's philosophy nationally um, and get to speak to the highest person up there, this would this would be a moment. Um, so we're really excited about that. And also to certainly honor Hackensack Meridian and all that they've done um, with mental health, especially during COVID is, is going to be um, wonderful as well. So. I love that. And, and so, so just to clarify too, so your organization is a, is a chapter of a Correct. larger organization Correct. and how many chapters nationally are there? Do you know? Not off the top of my head. Yeah. I'm guessing a lot. It's a, yes. it's like a consortium. It's you're an affiliate mm-hmm. of the Correct. mental health America. Got it. Correct. Um, so Monday, that would, be a, that would be a cool community to know how many of you guys are. Yes. That's a, you know, you know what I'm going to, I'm sure there's somewhere that I can look for that, but yeah, that's um, definitely out there. That's cool. Um, okay. All so the dust, all the Dustin should know each other. Yes. <laughs> we really should we try. I mean, we have conferences, um, couple of times. Well, we have one larger conference once a year um, where we get to kind of meet and greet and hang out with each other. And now with Zoom, we've been able to, I know I just went to something um, a couple of months ago where it was um, how are crisis intervention services being initiated in very um, rural areas Mm-hmm. So hearing from like the Dakotas and I think a place in Oklahoma, Alaska, it was, it was pretty awesome. So that really is awesome. I love that. Um, I'm actually looking on the website now for anybody curious. There's 200 plus affiliates. So that's a lot of people oh. around the country in different counties and states. I mean, sure, mm-hmm. certain states, you know, may not have one on the county level, but on the state level. But there are 200 affiliates working to protect, you know, our country from, you know, mental wellness issues. I love that. Um, so just quickly, I have this um, pulled up now, um, except now I lost it because I was looking for the amount of affiliates. <laughs> so forgive me. Um, so I wanted to pull up just a little bit about the event. So it's taking place on Monday the 9th, this coming Monday, and taking place at Beacon Hill. You can buy tickets um, through the link below. And anybody that commented, there was a couple of folks that commented throughout Um, we didn't get a chance to get approval for anything before we chatted with Dustin, but the hope is that we can either give somebody either a discounted entry fee or a prize once they get there, if they decide to join, um, for Monday's event. So stay tuned on that. Um, but basically it's a way to, you know, get together, give back. Um, there's a cocktail party section that you can just purchase a ticket to that piece. You don't have to go to golf if you're not a golfer. Um, it's local. And there's also just a, a part of the website. If you're not able to attend the event to just donate directly yes. to the cause, um, because obviously as everything we're talking about today, you know, is made possible because of work that Dustin and her team is doing, um, because of your donations. I mean, that's how is this all the, these is organizations. This the major initiative for the year. This, this is one of our, yes, yes, yes. So this really goes, we have an annual dinner, um, which had to look a lot, looked much different this year with COVID. So our golf outing is really, really, um, really a, 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 a bread and butter. Yeah. 
Got it. Okay. So, so this is good to, to note because especially as we head back into who knows what lies ahead for the rest of us this fall and winter, this is a great way to come together. Um, I found it now. So just going to go ahead and read this because it's now that every, I have this captive audience listening. <laughs> this is from their website. A beautiful day of golf might just be the best medicine to help us recover from this past year. And what more fitting way to play than supportive mental health, possibly one of the greatest and most universal challenges of the pandemic. Please join us Monday, August 9th at Beacon Hill Country Club for the Mental Health Association's annual golf classic and cocktail party. Enjoy a round of golf on the scenic course while celebrating the critical work that MHA performs in our community. This year, we are thrilled to honor Robert C. Garrett, CEO of Hackensack Meridian. We're also pleased to welcome Schroeder Stribling, the new president and CEO of Mental Health America. And thank you in advance for helping us make our best outing yet and for proudly supporting MHA, MHA this year, especially given the increased need for our vital services and consistent assistance to the community throughout the pandemic. So I think this is a really important um, thing to shed light on. I'm so happy we were able to get on Zoom with you today in advance of that event. Um, so the cocktail party ticket for those of you that are wondering, let me just go ahead and click this so I understand. That's at five o'clock on Monday, and that's $100. Um, you also can make an additional donation if you want to do that. And then the golfer registration um, is not $100. Um, that is $1,400 $1, for four golfers or $350 for an individual golfer. Or you can just make a donation if you can't attend. Um, cocktail party ticket sounds fun, especially if you're somebody locally who doesn't necessarily want to do the golf thing, hundred bucks, and you know, it's going to a really, really good cause. There's also a 50, 50 raffle happening with all sorts of awesome prizes. Um, so definitely check out their website to see if that's something you can get involved in this Monday night. Anything else, Dustin, that you want to highlight over the coming months um, that you have in the works or any other ways that folks can get involved? So really what we're really focusing on our mental health first aid program right now we're always focusing on our suicide prevention within the community and within schools um so i would say finding out more uh, about those two things um and bringing them to your local communities or educating yourself um would be really really wonderful and important yeah and i'm excited to maybe partner again dustin through the pta i will definitely be in touch offline about how we can have you come in you or your team come into our PTA meeting where um, we could talk about some of these tools and advocacy, especially the mental health first aid. I love, love, love that concept. Um, and or we can organize some sort of, you know, membership or um, registration drive through the PTA where we get people to sign up for your upcoming courses. If it's not something that you can come to us, we can definitely spread the word about how folks can come to you. And just thrilled to have you here today and shedding light on such an important topic. Um, <laughs> so just to, to wrap, we like to ask this last question to all of our guests. Our first question yeah. and last question is always the same. Yeah. First is always, what did you want to be when you grew up? Last is always, um, we're big believers in inspiring, obviously, folks around, you know, the country and, and our listeners around the world about what it is that they want to do and how to get into it. And um, obviously, your story is so inspirational on this. We now have shed light on your organization, if, whether or not they're hiring, obviously, is the other question. Um, but we like to also shed light on, on, on people's, what we call brand crush. It's something that we advocate always for our listeners. And we'd actually, it's part of our course at Brookdale 
um, I created this curriculum called the Brand Crush Project, which is essentially mm-hmm. identifying places and, and companies and brands that you're crushing on for one reason or another. And depending on your stage of career, your crush could be for you, your crush when you first graduated was just finding a teaching job. It had nothing to do with having a particular crush on that brand or really in lo- being in love with what they were doing. But look what happened. You ended up getting, you know, falling in love with that work. So identifying your brand crush or figuring out places that that turn your light on is mm-hmm. so, so important for folks that are looking for work. Um, so I'd love to ask you being that you live locally, um, if you have, and, or, you know, in New Jersey for that matter, if you have any brand crushes that you just think, whether it's another organization or you think it's a brand, a restaurant, anything that you think is just doing amazing work right now that might inspire someone else to look at them as a crush and potentially either apply to work there or just follow them on Instagram. If it's (coughs) as simple as that, but we love to shed light on organizations, companies, brands that are doing amazing things so that in hopes that our listeners will also then follow along and or potentially go work there. You never know, but just to shed light on, on, on brands that we think are doing really amazing things. So obviously mental health association of Monmouth County is a brand crush of Marissa and mine. Um, so tell us, you know, do you have any brand crushes or organization crushes? If you, if you nonprofit crushes, I do. So my biggest one is the national Alliance of mental illness. We work hand in hand, Um, The work that they do is incredibly inspiring. So you talk about turning that light on and the work that we do with them and that I particularly do with them is around um, people with lived experience sharing their stories. And it's just so powerful and brings hope to to people where um, sometimes that's, you know, it's, it's not always there, right? So hearing from people with lived experience, right? Being able to share their stories um, and give back to their community and help others is just mm. absolutely amazing. Um, being able to hear from someone who's had six psychiatric hospitalizations, but maintaining a job and living a meaningful life is pretty pretty amazing and pretty hopeful, right? So coming from um, a, place, a place like that, or you know what, I, I hear voices every day but I go to work every day. I have dinner with my family every day. Um, my life's important, right? Um, I have people that I love and care about. Um, so the work that they do is just incredible and they are volunteer based. So everything, they run support groups, they run educational programs. They run something called my favorite program ever is called inner own voice. So that's when someone with lived experience really shares their journey to what we would call their journey to wellness. Um, so I bring them in a couple of times a year and I try and to, you, to you called it the national, what was it? The national Alliance of mental NAMI. NAMI. NAMI, the national Alliance of mental illness. So we I've, have, um, I've donated and, and read up on them a lot. They're, they're wonderful. Um, Love so it. We have the chapter of greater Monmouth. That would be our local NAMI. Then there's also NAMI, New Jersey, who we work close, very closely with as well. Um, and there's a NAMI everywhere. So um, NAMI can be contacted no matter what what your location is, which is pretty wonderful. So we've had people, you know, we've had families call call in and they're saying, well, I'm worried about my son, my son who's in California. So why, why don't we contact that local NAMI branch and go from there to see what services and help is available. So there's, I'm going to tag them on this in a moment, but I love that. I love that. Now that you said NAMI, I'm familiar. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, 
I get mailing from them. Um, I love it. Justin, we didn't ask you one thing. Do you have a, do you have a mantra? I mean, cause by the way, it's not easy to get up every day and do the work that you do. Yeah. Right. I do. So it's, it's kind of twofold. So I always tell, there's this book by George Mumford called the mindful athlete. And I grew up as an athlete. I continue to be an athlete, but, um, always be uncomfortable because mm. as long as you're uncomfortable, you continue to grow. So I always want to make sure I continue to challenge myself and never become stagnant. I'm, I'm working in a field where we need to adapt. We need to be willing to change. The services change. COVID comes, right? So there's never this time of just, this is how it's going to be. So always being open and willing to, to be uncomfortable in order to help more people, right? Mm-hmm. And learn more and learn as much as I can and, and be as good as I can. The other piece is stay humble. I'm in a very, what I consider a privileged position. And I always want to hang on to that individual and that family and never lose sight of the work that we are doing. So that's my mantra. I love do you want to know? Do you want to know the one thing that's not amazing about Zoom? I want to hug you so much, <laughs> and I cannot reach you. <laughs> I I really love spending time with you this morning. Um, I look forward to working together again. Um, Me too. I really, really do. I'm I'm I. I'm so inspired by what you what, who you are and what you do. And I thank you for sharing your passion with us. This for better or for worse is exactly what the dream catchers podcast is all about this conversation. So I'm glad we made time for it. And I am very, very thankful and humbled by your share. And also for my, our, our listeners and our audience, look at all the amazing things you can do with your life. Mm-hmm. Look at all the amazing things you can do with your life. So if whatever you're choosing is not working, you can do other things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even if what your dream, your job is not as fulfilling right now, you can sign up with one of these organizations and help others and fill your bucket that way and pay your bills the other way. It's okay. Mm-hmm. We are not defined by our work, but we can define our work, mm-hmm. right? And you look at someone like Dustin, she loves what she does and it's not easy. So not everything is, it's not, the story is not always black and white. You got to find your grades, right? And I just am very, very, very pleased with this morning's conversation and feel really filled up today and motivated. So thank you for, I don't know what to do with my motivation right now. (laughs) We are going to advocate for mental health First aid. That is going to yes, be our, yes. our new mission. <laughs> I, I look forward to taking that class because, by the way, there's been a couple times this year where I might have been in an alarming place. So dark humor. Um, but I, I so incredibly appreciate you, your work, your share, your passion, your inspiration, your thoroughness, your dedication. I mean, I don't think there's an adverb or an adjective that is that you miss, Dustin. So have a great weekend. You deserve it. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for, for having me, being able to talk this way. Thank you for everything that you're doing. And 
your incredible support of MHA. I look forward to our collaboration and our partnership and, um, you know, working together. This has been, this is, I agree. This send, has been send so our fun. Love, send our love and light to your colleagues and best of luck on Monday. I hope it's a slamming success. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know yeah, it will we be. will continue to share a hundred percent and we will continue to share and promote as best as we can. Um, the work that you all are doing to shed light on your upcoming initiatives and anything that we can be doing to share once, you know, obviously we're big on social media. So anytime that we see it, um, we will share it. So happy to, you know, partner on this. Every time. Tag us. Tag yes. Us share it. Share it. <laughs> totally. Totally. All right, Hi. Dustin, thank you for being here this morning. Have a wonderful weekend and thanks for spending time today. Want more from the Dreamcatchers? Check us out, www.thedreamcatchers.life. In the spring of 2020, we launched the Dreamcatchers Web, an inclusive professional membership network dedicated to cultivating community and providing content about career inspiration and making magic. Are you a dream maker looking to inspire or a dream chaser looking for inspiration? Either way, join us today. A portion of our proceeds will benefit the Mental Health Association of Monmouth County because now more than ever, we need to bring light to the darkness. Thank you in advance for helping us lead with light.